Good evening. Well, unlike last year, where we enjoyed four full weeks of Advent, this year the calendar dates, as you know, fall in such a way, really only allowing us three weeks of Advent to fully unfold. So pulling from the readings of these past few weeks, the days leading up to Christmas have been a period of time for us to stay awake, to be alert, all the while listening and waiting and making straight the paths. It's been an opportunity to take a time to look inward, to take notice of what needs to personally change in order to be prepared for the celebration of the birth of Christ. So what has your Advent been like these past three weeks? It hasn't been that bad, has it? (laughs) Perfect timing. What perhaps have you been seeing or feeling or doing differently? For me, it's been spending more time with my family this month, in particular my grandchildren, and taking some time looking at all I have in my life to rejoice about especially the young voices that bring forth joy, light, and love. But not all the voices we hear are joyful. For many, this is not the most wonderful time of the year. A report just came out indicating that one in every eight people, or 12% of the U.S. population, are homeless this night, the highest ever recorded. Thus, it would seem that the voices of those who are financially and physically and socially and spiritually depleted continue to grow. Indeed, the readings of this Advent have been filled with numerous voices crying out. Some we may have found uplifting and others maybe unpleasant. But faced with these and other challenges, I think today's gospel gives us three points which may lead to a better understanding of what we're called to do during this briefest fourth week of Advent and into Christmas and into the new year. So first, did you notice the amount of instances where the names are used in today's gospel passage? Throughout the year, our gospels have been filled with stories of Jesus healing and forgiving, but most often nameless, the woman at the well or the ten lepers. But within just a few lines of Luke's gospel today, We hear nearly a dozen different names of people and places. The angel Gabriel, sent by God to Nazareth, to Galilee, to Joseph in the house of David, to a virgin whose name was Mary, will bear a son and call him Jesus. You see, when a story is really important, it's necessary to clearly identify the situation and to name the names. Think of some of the names of people in your life you may have heard from or heard about this Advent. Those in need, those in sick, those who have died, those perhaps you haven't heard from since before the pandemic. What about the names of over 500,000 people who've died in Ukraine and Palestine and Israel? It said it would take one person nearly 10 days nonstop to read each name aloud. So what names need to be called out and brought forward in your life? Names to be remembered, to be prayed for, to be recognized, names to give thanks to. 
Brings me to the second nuance of this gospel. It's dialogue. If you go back and reread the gospel, you're going to find it's all dialogue and serious dialogue about a young teenage girl not married and being told she's pregnant, who will bear a son whose kingdom will have no end. It was all face-to-face listening and speaking. No texting, no emailing, no tweeting, no divisive rumors or assumptions or notions. It's something we think need to look and examine our lives and frankly as a country about what we do. I think we need to stop grasping at the various media snippets and gossip, gossip and then rushing out to communication outlets and fanning the flames of impassionate, most often inaccurate fodder. Rather, we need to learn to have constructive dialogue face-to-face with another person. The first step to simply listen to the other. I fear that we are losing this basic skill of having a meaningful and honest conversation where both parties are heard. See, John the Baptist said, we came to testify to the light. Well, the light is shining on you and on me. We can no longer hide that light under a basket. It's a part of Advent. It's about bringing new light into the darkness. We can't continue to bury our heads and avoid the issues. And lastly, Advent is not necessarily all about looking internally and focus on just ourselves. It's about actively preparing the way. For the past two weeks, we've heard the gospel accounts of John the Baptist baptizing with water as he was making straight the paths and preparing for the Lord. But the action in today's gospel was a few words spoken by Mary. Yes, let it be done to me. It wasn't, I'll get back to you later. I'm really kind of busy, or it's not my problem. Upon hearing the angel's proclamation of her pregnancy, she had to be shocked, astonished, frightened, maybe embarrassed. But she had the faith and courage to say yes. You see, God is in it all. Or as St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, God will be all in all. God can and will use everything, absolutely everything of us. We're both wheat and wheat. And actually, it's God who's doing the waiting. Waiting for us to say yes to the things in our life. Yes to be naming what needs to be called out. Yes to have open and honest dialogue. Yes, to make the changes that are needed in our lives and, frankly, in our society. Advent calls us to be conscious, awake, alert. Advent calls us to be open to how Christ comes to us every day. And Advent calls for our participation by opening our eyes to our own brokenness and that of humanity. For Christ is there, just waiting and wanting our active participation. And here's the kicker. While the liturgical calendar may say that Advent ends tomorrow afternoon, Advent really never ends. For Christ is always and forever coming, and we are forever being called to vocally, physically, and mentally cry out in order to make straight the paths in our lives and in our society. We must refuse to allow suffering and injustice to silence us but rather force ourselves 
to re-echo God's love. But the presence of so much pain in our lives and our country does not diminish our need to celebrate. Actually, it makes it more necessary. It's how change happens. It's how wounds are healed. My friend, author, and artist, and minister, Jan Richardson, she defines celebration as a means to practice our willingness to see the presence of love in the midst of brokenness and to ask how God might work through us to put the broken pieces back together again. So in a very, very short time, we will once again celebrate what began with Mary's yes, the birth of her son, Jesus the Christ. And using the words from my favorite carol, let us pray that our soul will feel its worth. The chains within our society will be broken and oppression will cease as we joyously echo the thrill of hope that just perhaps our weary world will indeed see the presence of love in the midst of brokenness, leading to new voices, new light, and new paths that will allow all people one day to equally rejoice. <laughs>